0: To learn your cliches, you're gonna have to study them, you're gonna have to know them.
1: Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and you know you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort. Oh man, you just gotta play one game at a time and go out there and give 110%. All right, play ball.
0: Happy early New Year's Eve, film friendos, and thanks so very much for checking out the 15th shot of Scoring at the Movies, the every-other-week sports movie podcast. Spoilers are ahead, as are a litany of bad impressions. I'm the age pugilist who don't like no Russian boxing crowds much none either, Ryan Ellis, and here's the Dancing Destroyer, the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto, the Master of Disaster, the one, the only, Chris DiGregorio! I don't know what you're talking about, bad impressions, Ryan. That
1: was pretty good. I was impressed. <laughs> I need that well crazy
0: mustache when I do all those things.
1: You do. But I do have one thing to say
0: to you. I podcast for me. <laughs> Yanni Bios. Me. Bios. <laughs> the guy, by the way, who announces the fight in Vegas yeah. was in Rocky Three. The guy with the best mustache in the biz? He's the guy that paints that painting they do at the end of Rocky Three when Apollo and Rocky are in a freeze frame about to hit each other, he, and there's that painting. You mean the actor actually painted? He's a painter as well. Really? Yeah. Useless trivia for you right after bat.
1: (laughs) Wasting no time. (laughs) Ding, ding.
0: So I have no runs, hits, and errors from Hoosiers a couple of weeks ago. Nothing major. There's a few things on the website, but that's about all. You should listen to it if you haven't already.
1: Although I will say one thing I noticed in having done Hoosiers two weeks ago and then re-watching Rocky IV for God knows how many times I've seen that in my life. never noticed that Drago's robe and stuff when he fights Apollo Creed are the Hoosiers colors.
0: Oh, they are really? Golden red. But Rocky Four was before Hoosiers, so they couldn't have been deliberately aping Hoosiers because they beat them to it.
1: It was a fun little, like, uh,
0: I don't know. Link? Link. There you go. That's I'm cool. firing on all cylinders here,
1: eh? You know, I'm going to get some talent juice in me.
0: And, and what is the talent juice? What's your beer of choice? The
1: talent juice today is from Reinhard Brewery. That's in Toronto. It's called Kapow! IPA. So. Makes
0: perfect sense for this movie.
1: It would be even better if we were actually talking about the 1960s Batman TV show.
0: Zoink! Zoink! Geblurst! <laughs> Bam! <laughs> yeah.
1: But I figured it was pretty good for a boxing movie, too.
0: You also asked me two weeks ago about the best lyric I could think of in a song, and I told you I couldn't think of anything better, but then again, I did say, anything by the Beatles is probably better than, what was it again from Ghostbusters? <laughs> Busta makes me Busted feel
1: makes me feel good? Maybe I shouldn't have used the word best. Because that's certainly not the best. You're just a lyric. little obsessed with it, right at that moment. Yeah, I don't even know why. But in terms of like silly earworm lyrics, I'm hard pressed to find something better. This movie makes a good effort, though, at firing off some great '80s power ballad. Great lines, example right?
0: would be Two Worlds Collide," rival nations. Really hitting that on the head, aren't yeah, they?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a subtle message that they're putting out there. Dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All the music in this movie, some of the best things in it would be the songs.
1: Hearts on Fire? Come on.
0: I love Hearts on Fire. Huge fan of that song. I've listened to that song just on my phone many
1: times. (laughs) For no reason other than just It's a fun
0: song. I like it better than Eye of the Tiger. I do too. Eye of the Tiger's more famous and it got the Oscar nomination but I think Hearts on Fire is great. Alright, the montage movie was released by UA, United Artists, and MGM on November 27th, 1985.
1: Have we actually mentioned what movie we're talking about yet?
0: Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, too, and I don't usually say it because it is in the description of the podcast itself, but it is Rocky IV. It is. And we're covering this because we wanted a fun one to do. Not that Hoosiers wasn't fun in its own way, but this is absolutely fun. And blocks were busted. There's a lot of numbers we'll talk about in a second. Do you think it
1: felt good when they busted those blocks, Ryan?
0: Busting those blocks made them feel good. (laughs) So here's my nutshell for Rocky IV. Multi-millionaire spends the holidays 4,700 miles from home getting punched in the face.
1: So it sounds a lot like my family Christmases. (laughs) Those are a little closer to home, but you know, similar sensation. That's one
0: reason we chose this movie too, because it does take place on Christmas, the climactic boxing match. It does. So Christmas in Russia. I'm not gonna be able to get through
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like nonstop. Laugh
0: as much as I did during the movie itself because it is laughably Mm -hmm. stupid. I've always said this movie made both my best of 1985 and my worst of 1985.
1: And someday we'll discuss Rocky two because I know we have intrinsic differences of two a lot. Obviously, I love it as well. Rocky one and Rocky two, though, I think you could legitimately say are probably good movies. Mm -hmm.
0: Rocky three and Rocky four are bad movies, but I love them so much. Most fans do, yeah. The and fans of this series have to like those movies, I think. I like all of them. I even like Rocky Five. I can't do Rocky V. That it, is the one movie. It is the worst one, but I can watch it. It's so bad. I wouldn't choose to watch it anymore. I
1: wouldn't willingly put myself through that. Yeah. But this movie reminded me of everything that is great about the terribleness of the latter Rocky movies, three, four, and then five it just went off the rails. But it's angsty for reasons that I can't wrap my head around at times. It's got ridiculously stupid humor. Some really poor boxing choreography. And the sound design for this movie. Not the music. The the punches. The punches. And what caught my ear, so to speak, is early in the movie, Apollo now retired, I guess. And I looked this up, actually. At the point that this movie was released anyway, so he would have been slightly younger when it recorded, Carl Weathers was 37. So he lost to Rocky. Rocky. In Rocky 2, and that ended his career, I guess, in his early to mid 30s at that point. Must because have been. at this point, he's been retired for a little while,
0: right? He trained Rocky in Rocky 3, yes, yeah. about a year long story, maybe more.
1: And I really struggled to understand why that was. Like, he barely lost by one second. One second is
0: tough for a man of my intelligence to handle, yeah. So, why, oh, would, why would you
1: attempt a comeback fight
0: when you lose? You're what 32
1: 33, you're still jacked as all hell. Maybe he's got a death
0: wish. He's also just like Rocky in Rocky 2. And the scene I've talked about on this podcast before when Pav and I've covered both Rocky, the first one, and Creed we've done. Creed was earlier this year. Rocky, the first one, was a couple years ago. But the scene I love in Rocky 2 is when he goes to Mickey's apartment and wants to fight. but you're yeah. Done, kid. And Rocky's whole thing is, i got to be around it, Mick. So he's willing to be just a guy in the gym. You want these guys to see you hauling water around and sweeping up? i got to be around it. Well, that's what Apollo seems to be. Why does he want to fight this Russian? Is it just his big balls have to show the Russians were better? He does say that. But yeah. I think it's a matter of he... Well, he also talks about, I can't stand being out of the spotlight. He doesn't quite directly say that he needs the fame, but he needs the fame.
1: He says it enough, tangentially, a few times to Rocky that you don't understand because you're still on top. But just wait until you're out of the spotlight and nobody thinks about you, right?
0: You know what's also bullshit about that, though? You hear it all the time from people like George Foreman and Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali's the most famous boxer of all time, maybe the most famous athlete of all time. But if you're ever a champion, you're still revered. I don't think you're buying a drink for the rest of your life if they recognize you, and they probably do. Boxers are always famous.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And that's part of what I failed to understand about the motivations of him as well. Is he spends his time seemingly hanging out. In, this is Apollo. Hanging out in his mansion, swimming with his dogs in his pool. In L.A., yeah. Get out there. Get amongst the people. Go to some of these boxing gyms and train, and you'll get the adulation that you want, like you said. That is what caught my ear again at the beginning, is when he's watching the television poolside while he's tossing the ball to his dogs, one of the two dogs jumps into the water, and it sounds like a tank hitting the shoreline. I don't understand what setup they had when they recorded it, that they couldn't just go with the natural sound of the light splash of the dog hitting the water, but it was like,
0: KASHOOM!
1: it made me laugh five minutes in the movie and then from there on out of course I'm listening to the sound of the movie as we're going along so in every fight scene Rocky I think was known for this all along is that as much as I love the fight scenes they're not the best choreographed things and some of the punches that are thrown they swing eight to ten inches in front of the actor's faces so the head snaps and the sound and everything don't quite line up and it sounds like you're hitting the side of beef more than you are a face right there's not really a crack of the fist it's more like a
0: flat thug It's appropriate, the side of beef thing, though, by the way, because the first movie, one of the most famous things in it is him hitting a side of beef. Yeah,
1: that's why I mentioned that. That's what it sounds like more so than if you are hit somebody in the jaw. And that's the scene where you see Apollo get super pissed off with the Russians just matter-of-factly saying that Ivan Drago is unbeatable. He's a superior human being. It felt like it was meant to be a sincere sentiment, but then it's kind of undercut later when Apollo's talking about his real reasons for wanting to fight, being back in the spotlight, like you said. Need an excuse to do it. I don't know, though, because in that scene in the pool, he's getting mad, he's getting angry, he's by himself, right? He's just with his dog, so he's no reason, the character has no reason to fake that patriotic sentiment, but then later on, he's telling an entirely different story to Rocky when Rocky's trying to pull him out of the fight and all that kind of stuff.
0: That's true. He was a patriot in the first movie because he wants to do the big match against Rocky who's an underdog but this all-American underdog. He's a regular dude and I'll fight him because I care about this kind of stuff and it's also good for promotion and he wears the trunks that Rocky wears in this movie that have been in, I think, all of the
1: Rocky movies. Doesn't Rocky wear them again? He wears them in three and four. The second time against Clubber Lang.
0: Because Apollo gives them to him. I can't wear your clothes. And then Rocky wears them, not in five, although I think Tommy Gunn does. He does. And Rocky doesn't wear them, though. That's the one movie, I guess, where they don't appear at all, would be in Rocky Balboa, 2006. Because Adonis Creed wears them, I believe, in Creed a couple years ago. And by the way, we haven't seen Creed 2. I should have gone on Friday. We're recording this on a Sunday, about a week and a half before we post it. I really meant to see it. I love all these movies. I didn't miss Creed 1. But if there's anything about that movie that affects this one, or retroactively talks, because Drago's son (laughs) fights Creed, we can't comment on that because we haven't seen it.
1: You know what, Ryan? Having said that now...
0: We really should have
1: thought this through a little bit better and made sure yeah. we'd seen Creed 2 before recording this.
0: Well, we were not going to do this movie in this space. We were going to do The Longest Yard and instead decided we had to see this movie.
1: Yeah, we called an audible, so to speak, on The Longest Yard and went with Rocky Four. And, and everyone's
0: talking about Creed 2. Maybe they won't be as much by the time we post this, but they have been, so we want to jump on that bandwagon. We
1: thought we were so smart tying it in with Creed 2, but we didn't follow that thought by through watching to the end by Creed actually II. watching Creed 2.
0: Yet yeah, I'm sure we
1: both will. So let's so hope what...
0: there's nothing that makes us sound stupid in this podcast. <laughs> Let me get through some numbers. I mentioned those a minute ago. There's a lot of them with this movie. In the series, really. Right. So, the Rotten Tomatoes numbers, first of all, only thirty-eight percent of critics like this film, but seventy-nine percent of audiences. That is a giant difference.
1: Three and four are probably objectively poorly made movies from a lot of critical perspectives, but they're just so silly and so much fun. The that fans like the them. fans love them, right?
0: Well, only five had worse reviews than this, though, and all the other ones, including Rocky Three, were pretty positive from the critics. This was the third biggest hit of 1985. Back to the Future was number one. And Sly's other hit that year, Rambo 2, was number two. First, first Blood, blood part, part 2. two. Yeah, you know, Second talking. Blood. <laughs> so he had number two and three at the box office in one year. This was when Stallone was, well, rhinestone. But generally, Stallone was untouchable. Even Staying Alive, which people didn't like, was a success. Yeah, this is, he directed that. He wasn't in it.
1: This has got to be peak Stallone. He's certainly got peak Stallone hair and peak Stallone mm, uh, muscles. A- aviator glasses <laughs> right. going.
0: Right, yeah. When he's at the funeral.
1: His musculature in this movie is all... enhanced by drugs without a doubt. Oh, of course. I'm sure all the action stars of this era were on something. But he is so lean. I mean, he's muscular and he's a small man, right? And He's not a, a tall guy.
0: What are you saying, Chris? <laughs> I'm small. Small. There's no problem there, believe me, believe me. Whoa, Rocky Trump? What the hell? (laughs) Bad combination. (laughs) Two phony patriots, well one was legit, the other one's not. Anyway, sorry, your point.
1: I don't know why this is what struck me. It was never during the boxing scenes against Apollo with their fun match, or later on against Drago. It's when he first shows up at that Russian lodge, he's just standing there in a thin waffle shirt kind of thing, talking to Duke. Duke, yeah, that's right there's something about the way the clothing hangs off of him because he probably has 1.5% body fat. And I was cringing because to get that appearance, you have to have so little hydration in your musculature to get that level of definition. It's like the bodybuilders that are prepping for a show. They effectively dehydrate themselves for 24 hours in advance because it saps the moisture of your muscles. It just makes you look that much more chiseled. And that's what it looked like to me and it kind of made me feel uncomfortable because I'm just watching him train and fight thereafter, and I was just waiting for a muscle to tear off his body. Yeah. This is the only time I've seen Stallone where he had that visceral reaction that it elicited from me. Because to me, this is peak
0: physical Stallone. Oh, definitely, yeah. You and this see. series especially. Well, this He's always in good shape. you watch the first couple of movies. He looks nothing like this. He looks a lot beefier. By human standards, he was in great shape. By lots standards, pretty good shape. By standards of the mid-80s, He was fat, basically, compared to this. Even by Rocky
1: Three, the guy was ripped and shredded. But by Rocky Four, it got to such an extreme that I was almost cringing at it. He does look
0: like a bodybuilder.
1: He does. And if he wanted to go the bodybuilding route, I'm sure he would have been super successful.
0: And as tough and as strong as he was, there's a story that he had Dolph Lundgren hit him for real. And he hit him in the chest to the point where Rocky had to go. Rocky Stallone had to go to the hospital. Really? And his heart was apparently in danger of... I don't know, exploding or something. He was going to have a heart attack or something. Just from a punch from a guy.
1: Yeah, but can you imagine Dolph Lundgren hitting you? The guy is 6'6 and 260 pounds. Also ripped. Also, I'm sure, on something. But he was an immense man. And he was a professional competitive fighter, too. I can't remember what martial art he specialized in, but he was an actual fighter. Stallone met him at the casting and told him, all right, you got it, but you have to put on 20 or 25 pounds of muscle. So he got even huger than he naturally is. And also he had to learn how to fight for the camera, right? How to play fight because he's so used to actual combat or competitive fighting anyway that not actually landing your punches but coming up six inches short is a bit of an adjustment to make.
0: Like a wrestler has to learn how to do Yeah, too.
1: but you can see that he actually knows how to throw a punch. He knows how to use the weight of the body behind the punch properly. And some of those fantastic shots of him just beating the everlasting shit out of the Russian machinery, he really leans
0: into it where he goes from 1,850 pounds per square inch of pressure, which is already extreme, and I read somewhere that isn't real, that's not humanly possible, to 2,150. And considering he killed Apollo Creed in a round and a half, some of those punches, 300 pounds per square inch, even more, should have killed Rocky after, I don't know, one round, versus going 15 rounds, and then at the end, given his, if I could change, and you could change speech. Rocky's already brain damaged, as we learn, (laughs) seconds later when he's in the locker room. In Rocky V, the very beginning of it, one of the most poignant moments in this entire series where he's unable to stop his hands from shaking. He gets Duke to go get Adrian. Uh, Mick, just take me home. He doesn't even know Mick's not alive anymore. So he's obviously been brain damaged from that fight, yet somehow he's giving this whole sort of, I can stop communism right here. Or the Cold War itself, not communism per se. Let's talk about Pauly for a second. Oh, God, I got really tired of this character after maybe two, or certainly by three. By this point, he was really annoying, and by Rocky Balboa, he's insufferable. I understand why the character
1: existed in the first Rocky. Mm -hmm. A little bit in the second one. But by the third one, and certainly by this one, he serves no purpose except to be a whiny little punk. He's solely supported by Rocky. He's being showered with gifts, and I appreciate that by the end of the movie, he has this unearned and insincere sounding well, I guess it's sincere but it's unearned the whole if I could unzip myself instead, I'd want to be you i want to be you like, you're all hard rock okay yeah well you just spent the entire movie telling him basically to go fuck himself and then at the end you give him this like one little speech and like whoop-dee-doo who cares but all he does is whine about his lack of TV the robot is incredibly stupid I don't understand why it's in the movie I love the arrogance of the mid-80s, the whole futuristic, look what we can do, we have computers now, look what we can do. But of course, they're like 30 years behind the point when they could realistically start making these things happen. Only now we're seeing companies start to make robots that are actually quasi-functional and not AI sentient, but you know, they can actually This learn. thing's
0: out of a time even now, the AI, with it, especially when oh, yeah. Pauly, the genius computer programmer, reprograms it <laughs> with the voice and also it interacts with him. It's not just one of those things where it somehow could compute basically what he said and give a response.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I kind of love the steampunky notion of this because I don't know if you had one of those shitty IBM or Commodore type computers in the 80s. The extent of computerized voices was chit, MIDI, kind of synthesized voice. So for this thing to have the voice it has, it's clearly got analog tape decks in it or something going right, on. Okay, so yeah. I'm kind of envisioning all these little whirring gears and analog tapes plugged in there and Paulie recording some woman's voice to sound more like it. And then there's the creepy aspect of him falling in love with this thing and I don't mm-hmm. want to know how he expresses that love with the weird <laughs> 80s robot. I do.
0: I think it would be very curious to find
1: out. I am very curious to find out. The positive thing is when they finally consummate their love for each other, it has built-in speakers, so it could really easily set its own <laughs> mood, right? And then those, like, flashing eyes setting, like, a nice romantic lighting of the whole scene. I'm sure it would be really touching.
0: It's a good thing they live in a mansion because then he can do this in a different part of the place and they don't have to hear it. <laughs> By the way, I've heard two different stories as to why that robot's in the movie. Legitimately. Really? Stallone saw this thing.
1: Wait, this was a real
0: thing that wasn't built specifically for the movie? It existed and Stallone saw it? I think so. I could have that a little wrong, but something along these lines at least. Let's put it that way. It wouldn't have been the one that just got the woman's voice. You're the best. It wasn't that. (laughs) But he saw something like this that apparently helped kids with autism. Stallone has a kid with autism. So his idea was this is a helper robot. Let's promote it in this big blockbuster movie. That's a little sweet. I don't yeah. feel
1: like a bit of an ass, but <laughs> okay,
0: continue. That may not be true, but I'd heard that long time ago. The other story I heard was just the simple. He saw it at a party, and he wanted to put in his movie because he was that powerful. Stallone directed this. He wrote all of the Rockies until Creed and Creed two. He didn't write those two movies, but he wrote the other six, and he directed four of them, two, three, four, and Balboa. So he had full control, and he was such a big star. I guarantee you that with MGM and UA, it was what do you want, Sly? Well, this is what I'm gonna do. Okay, Sly, whatever you want. You're
1: probably right. And this is the period of the 80s now we're getting into, particularly with action movies. And even though this isn't an action movie, it's got an action movie star, as you said, at the helm of it. That's it's just like, well, let's put some eye candy in here, various types, and we'll see what the hell happens. And it happens later in the movie, too. Before the Creed-Drago fight, you've got essentially five minutes of just eye candy and like weird shit happening. And you've got James Brown... Who, incidentally, I really enjoyed the credits, where it's not just an appearance by James Brown, it's the Godfather of Soul, played by James Brown. That was the credit, <laughs> That's <really>? the credit. <laughs> That's pretty great. So yeah, I could see it just being an eye candy piece, but by the time they leave for Russia, I think the
0: gag was played out to the extreme. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about Apollo and that fight. One thing i got to say about it is that a little awkward for those gamblers to go back to gambling after they just witnessed somebody die in this makeshift ring. Yeah. That was going to be a fun match where this old legend comes to fight this new Russian. Oh, shit. Somebody died. Anyway. Uh, Craps. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, though, Carl Weathers, he was
1: born in 48, apparently. He's supposed to be the -the over-the-hill guy. Dude is jacked.
0: Yeah, he looks even better just like Stallone does in this movie than he did in the other ones. Yeah. And he looked great then. So he's the same age in
1: this movie, the actor, as I am now. And I think I texted you this as I'm watching it. I'm thinking, I'm sitting there on the couch eating potato chips and Christmas cookies, drinking beer, feeling like a slob as I'm watching these two insanely ripped individuals get in the ring with each other. And one of them is your age. Oh, But did you notice before that fight when Rocky and Apollo are having their little friendly bout, it really follows through on that Rocky Three ending, right? But they walk out together about to step in the ring for the little fun match. And they're already just glistening mm-hmm. like
0: head to toe did and they, that was in rocky 3 so that was 1982 did they
1: oil each other up
0: there's certain points in this movie where the sweat makes sense
1: but all the time they're just sweaty and glistening mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if they're just standing around chatting these
0: guys are just standing around shirtless glistening i'm gonna ask the question i usually ask at the end can you score at this movie well if you're homosexual absolutely and even if you're not you got to be impressed by these guys adrian talia shire is not a bad looking woman but i bet one thing about the studios what about all the showgirls well, they're only in it briefly, though. Yeah. The only woman that's in the movie, really, well, Bridget Nielsen, I guess, too. But most people Who probably also... aren't really drawn to her. She's not the obvious heartthrob you'd see. Talia Shire, as I said, kind of pretty, but not a heartthrob. Yeah, but Bridget they Nielsen made the guys' heartthrobs.
1: Stunning. You think so? Bridget Nielsen? She was a model. She was a supermodel
0: at this okay. point. I don't find her all that hot, but okay. Well,
1: now I don't know what happened to her. as She aged, but
0: no, um, I meant in this movie. I don't think she's all that hot. She's not meant. To so be, was banging her, and they got married by the end of this year. I think it was around the time the movie got released, at the end of the year or something. They actually got married. It didn't last long. She must tower over him because she's about as tall as Lundgren, and Lundgren towers over Oh, she can't be
1: that. I know she's over six feet tall. Well,
0: then she's taller than Stallone. She's taller than
1: Stallone, no question about it. She's made to look very severe, and her character has a very limited arc in this movie. She's Mm. just sort of the mouthpiece for Drago. She's actually a humanizing element for him. It's true because
0: he doesn't really speak at all.
1: No, he has like nine lines of dialogue. He's Jimmy
0: from Hoosiers. Yeah. Well, one thing about her is that I think it's against Stallone saying to the studio, I want my girlfriend to be in this movie. And they had to do it because the lines of dialogue that she had were supposed to be Michael Pataki, who plays the mouthpiece of Drago, who has plenty of lines of dialogue in his own right. The, but if you think about all she says, he could have just as easily said those lines. Yeah, I so guess they you, had to you, separate you them.
1: adapt them for the wife. He was like the Politburo bureaucrat that's there on behalf of the Soviet Union. She doesn't say anything particularly personal except to talk about how her husband is a fighter not a thug and how they fear for his safety and yada yada yada. She's probably right. Yeah, you just killed an American icon that in wasn't the ring. It was deliberate. No, but then obviously they make him look cold
0: and If uncared. he dies, he dies.
1: Exactly. It's heartless. It would be easier to feel okay, Drago's just a fighter and this was an unfortunate accident except the bell rings at the end of the first round, and Drago throws the ref off to the side. He should have been disqualified right then. Yeah, and continues to beat the ever-living shit. This is supposed
0: to be an exhibition! What
1: are you guys doing? (laughs) Throw the damn (laughs) towel! And you know what? I never really thought, I've been thinking about it since you mentioned it, the Death Wish aspect of that fight. I don't know that I 100% believe that, but I can see it, because during that scene, Creed is dead on his feet, Mm He looks over to his wife and gives one last nod and then tells Rocky, don't you do it kind of thing through his mouth. No matter what. Yeah. That's a then, recurring
0: line that's said a few times. Are you with me no matter what? No matter what. And then he had said that to Rocky before the round started where he died.
1: Now, if you're Rocky, though, do you just throw in the towel and then you face... Throw the damn towel! Yeah, and then the guy is like a bloody pulp at the end of the first round. You know
0: one key thing, though, he says in the eulogy. I never understood this line because I've seen this movie so many times. In the first five or six, I didn't really get the whole point. You always did things the way you wanted it. I never understood that till now. Meaning, you go out your own way. You go out on your shield. It may be stupid, but I do get when athletes feel that way. We talked about that on one of our podcasts not that long ago. About people that have concussions in hockey or any sport. But hockey, Eric Lindros, for example, yep. had concussion problems. And his brother retired at 22 because he had them too. If they both, especially Eric, wanted to die on the ice, there's a part of me that says, well, it's your life. But then the league and the team shouldn't let them do that. That's one thing, too, that's always been true about the Rocky movies. The referees never do their job.
1: How did the they amount they not times stop the, the fight?
0: Forget just this fight in this movie where Apollo dies or when Rocky looks like he's going to die. The other fights too. And their Clubber Lang match, when Clubber is losing. So the rematch. He's got his hands up and it's bang 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 bang. bang. Dan da-na. <laughs> But before the dan dan part, Clubber's defenseless. Stop the fight. It's over. It's a technical yeah. knockout. Rocky wins that way. Why aren't you stopping this fight? This man can't defend himself anymore.
1: That's true of the climactic fight in this movie too. Rocky in particular, but both fighters get knocked down
0: so many times. One time only for Drago Drago when he loses. The only time he ever goes down is at the end.
1: But Rocky's going down all the time and looking like he's dead on his feet a few times. And of course he comes back and wins because he's Rocky. But you're right, if you were the ref, you should have probably called the fight long before he had a chance. And that was
0: true about some of the other ones. In the very first movie, Apollo's got those cracked ribs. The referee knows he has bad ribs and even says, one more bad hit, I'm going to stop the fight. You ain't stopping nothing. Yeah, and Rocky says that to the referees with the bad eye in the very first movie. You gotta cut me, Mick. I can't see out of the eye. The referee should be ending the fight. That's played off actually in the first Creed, where Adonis has the eye that swelled shut, and then they have that little gag, where not gag I guess, but that whole thing where he's gotta identify how many fingers the trainer holds up, and the guy in the back taps Taps his head. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. Which is probably something that actually happens. Let's not get too far off the opening of the movie, though. There's a few things about the one-on-one they have that was at the end of 3 and the very beginning of 4. You're talking Apollo Apollo and Rocky. Rocky? Yeah, the the friendly fight. We find out in Creed that Apollo won their secret one-on-one because Adonis asked him, Who won that fight? He did. So, he probably's telling the truth. He could be lying just to be polite to the kid, but he's probably telling the truth. That means Apollo was 2-1 and one against Rocky. He won the first one by technical decision, then he lost by knockout, and then he won their one-on-one. But how short was this one-on-one? Because Rocky has only one bruise on his usually hammered face. <laughs> it must have been
1: like a glass jaw punch to Rocky, and down he goes. The understanding I always had of these movies is that Apollo was unquestionably the better fighter. In all respects, he was better than Rocky, and Rocky just... Outlasted him. Yeah, just by sheer will, managed to outlast him once, and then that ended Apollo's career. And again, Mm -hmm. I don't really understand why that was the end to the career just then, Champions lose all the time and they just
0: re-challenge. Well, and Apollo knows about marketing. It's one of the best things he does, not just being a great boxer. That's right. You think he would, and so would the boxing people, would want them to have the rubber match. We see that epitomized
1: in Rocky too, right? Because he wants to fight Rocky, wants to get him in the ring. And so he tells his guys, you find a way to get him to fight me. They warn him, you're going to have to look like the bad guy if we do this. They're so marketing savvy, even for the late 70s, early 80s, during the course of those movies. Yeah, you would have thought they would have found a way to stay in the spotlight, at least for a few more years after that point. It is kind of a cute and running theme that these guys had both a friendship, but also this rivalry about who was the better fighter
0: between Mm. the two of them. No, Rocky believed that it was Apollo.
1: No, I know, but the fact that Rocky was the champ and remained the champ for quite a long period of time... He lost it to Clubber and
0: so And on. he gives it up going into the fight in this movie. That was something that was apparently filmed. The longer cut is something like two hours and they cut it down to about an hour and a half. And not including credits, it's not even an hour and a half. But apparently it was explained that he couldn't hold the title and fight Drago, even in, well, I guess it's not an exhibition, but he couldn't fight Drago and be the champion. They even say as a voiceover, this is not for the title. This is not a championship yeah. match, but so he's not, not even the champion anymore. Yeah, it's not even sanctioned. Yeah. So if you want to fight him, you have to give up the title. And the whole point was Rocky will come back and, oh, win it back. Although he must know, if you survive this fight against this guy, you're probably not going to box again.
1: Not about money. No money.
0: He's going to have to have the heart to stand in front of me. To do that, he going to have to will... No, anyway, though, that only <laughs> exists to Adrian. <laughs> That's one thing about Adrian, by the way, in all the movies, she always has to give the approval. The first film, just by being with him, I guess that makes him feel good enough. I can last with Apollo. I just want to last until the end, which he does. Yeah. The second movie, he can't train until, there's one thing I want you to do for me, win. The third one, she basically has a fight with him on the beach. Then he's motivated. And in this one, she goes to Russia. No matter what, no matter what, that whole conversation, well, he was already motivated, but it always had to be the Adrian seemed to boost him up to a higher level. So I don't know how he ever survived in Rocky Balboa because she was dead. Yeah. And he hasn't fought in the last two. I don't think he fights in Creed 2. hope Not a cancer survivor. (laughs) (laughs) 75 years old or whatever he is now? I don't know, by the way. And again, we haven't seen the movie, if they kill him off. But I said to Bev, I think when we did the Creed podcast earlier this year, I know I've said this to her other times, he has to die if they're ever going to... Well, we knew they were going to do a sequel at that point when we did the podcast back in the spring. If Rocky survives, then there's almost no point in doing that movie. That should be the arc.
1: I'm sure he will at some point. It's just a question of how... Exactly, and Mm -hmm. like you said, we haven't seen Creed 2, maybe it happens. I'd be surprised, because I'm pretty sure I would have read something about that. People probably would have spoiled it by now, but it's been out for a while. They've already talked about the franchise, and they want to continue it beyond Creed 2, so there will be future movies, and maybe they'll find a fitting way for Rocky to go out. As of
0: right now, and it's December the 16th, I think today, Creed 2 is right behind the first one, as far as how much it's made.
1: I don't even think it matters. So it's going to pass
0: it. So if your sequel does even better than the first one, you're going to have another movie.
1: It doesn't even matter. Michael B. Jordan is such a big star now for Creed and other reasons. Even if Creed is not the focus of future movies, because I don't know how many movies he's signed up for or how many he wants to do. I bet it's at least three. Probably. I know Stallone has said they have script ideas for at least three more Rocky-verse type movies. So it'll continue on, and they have to find some way to retire the Rocky Balboa character, even as the Mick-style mentor at some point, right? Because you're right, if he doesn't go out in some kind of blaze of glory or some sort of meaningful way, you can't just write him off and have him not appear in a movie. And then, oh, he passed away in the night a year ago, and that's the only mention of Rocky.
0: The deaths are always key in these movies. When Mickey dies, it's an accident, but Clubber is the reason why he dies. Yeah. His heart's bad anyway. Obviously, Apollo in this movie is a huge death, and that's a key motivating factor. Adrian does die off-screen.
1: And sad to say, because she has such a key role to Rocky's motivations throughout the series, but once you get past Rocky One. Talia Shai's character diminishes in her role, movie by movie. Though she does die off screen, she doesn't have the same emotional impact to me. It's a very macho, male-centric series anyway, mm-hmm. so her character didn't have the same focus as even an Apollo Creed by the time you got to Rockies 3 and 4. Yeah, she's not in this movie that much. Barely at all. She's basically there to chastise Rocky and then provide the you approval. Can't win! Yeah. And then, like you said, give her the approval at the end, and that's about all. Speaking of deaths, to go back to that first fight... Apollo is such a confident guy right that's the entirety of his character it's just overwhelming confidence he's got the grand entrance where he's preening and dancing up a storm in the perfect materialistic ostentatious american of the 1980s way and then he steps in the ring with drago and ready to go to school and throws down the fists on drago's yeah. and do not move does not budge and then that moment of uncertainty and fear across his opponent's It's a great space. moment, yeah. Carl Weathers, incidentally, is an ex-football player, obviously, and he's a big dude. You can just tell by his physique he's a big man. The way they filmed this movie, he looks small next to Drago. And part of that is the fact that Dolph Lundgren, I think, is six six, And like I said, he got up to like 260 pounds for this movie. So he is small compared to
0: Drago anyway.
1: Yeah, but Carl Weathers is 6'2", 6'3", see and that big? No. 220 pounds of muscle. The way they film him looking up at Drago and then down, it looks like Drago is a foot taller. Carl Weathers does a great job of selling that sheer panic for a moment when he Mm -hmm. realizes this guy is stronger than anyone I've ever met.
0: What have I gotten myself into? Exactly. Exactly. He's actually done comedy pretty well in his later career. He's funny in things like Happy Gilmore and Arrested Development.
1: Arrested Development, as much as I've seen this movie time and time again over the years, I haven't seen this movie in recent years, and I recently watched a lot of Arrested Development. So I had a lot of trouble at certain points watching Apollo Creed talk to Rocky, especially when they're sitting around the table. I was just waiting for him to pull out one of those lines for Arrested Development. Whoa, 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 whoa there, Apollo, you're gonna throw that bone away? No, 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 you take that bone, you throw in a potato, some stock in a pot, you boil that up, you got yourself a stew! <laughs>
0: His character would be appalled too because they're wasting money on champagne. <laughs> Do you notice that they're all drinking champagne and they're talking about he wants to fight the Russian? That's Paulie's drinking a beer, but the other three are.
1: Paulie's drinking a beer, it up, and eating a carton of Baskin and Robbins right. ice cream. <laughs> that guy is such a slob. We haven't really talked about the death of Apollo directly. We talked about the fight, and we talked about the impacts of the dying. The scene itself—it's the one face flops, the one punch, and the face flop, and then the twitching.
0: Right? And Which then, is a touch that he did that apparently the onset doctor thought might have been legit. That, Holy shit, he really is hurt. Really?
1: If he just did that of his own accord. That's what I read. And this is what I do appreciate about this movie. For something that's so ostentatious and such a product of the mid 80s, the fact that they didn't have Apollo wake up briefly right. Rocky, take care of my family, uh, moment. They sold it very well. He was dead on his feet. It looked like it was spasmodic, neurological muscles firing, but nobody's home kind of moments when he's flopping around on the ground. And he never speaks again. Yeah. And the first time I saw this movie as a young guy, it was almost traumatic to me that you go from having a character that's so pivotal to the series. And I didn't see this movie when it was released. I would have been four years old. But I saw it probably in the early 90s. And at that point in time, you never had a character die that abruptly. They always had one last goodbye. They always had a moment to go away. This was just snap of the fingers and you never get to say goodbye meaningfully. For the time especially, I thought it a particularly effective way to really motivate Rocky. Now I would have liked it if they did something beyond Rocky going from holding Apollo, reading the eulogy, and then jumping straight into a press conference where he's gonna avenge his buddy. But he can't have anything in everything rather in nineteen eighty five.
0: Well, apart from the montages that's maybe and there's so many of those, there's not that much plot. It is pretty straight ahead.
1: He goes from holding Apollo, cutting straight to the funeral where he's delivering the eulogy, and then goes straight from there to a press conference. He's going to Russia, and there's no money. It's not about the money. And he drives home. Intercut, you have Talia Shire saying to reporters, I don't know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I'm not going to Russia. <laughs> I don't know how they got to her house so quickly from the press conference. Yeah,
0: he didn't mention anything to her.
1: Why would you do it, Rocky? Well, uh, I gotta do it I gotta get away I gotta get out of here right and then he goes home only to go back into his car and drive around town for the purpose there's of- no
0: easy way but- <laughs> out <Down to laughs> for one of several
1: great montages in this movie see there you go that's better than Busta
0: makes me feel good <laughs> there's no shortcut at, home.
1: at that point I thought he was leaving for Russia I thought it was like, like, well, I've come home, see ya. And then he was driving away to the airport. But of course, no, he comes home again, I guess, later that night. And then they have the preparatory game. Well, it could be
0: weeks for all we know. I don't know when Apollo and Drago fought. It could have been a summer thing. And then it's many months later. Although in the first Rocky movie, I think it's only about a month. I think it's Thanksgiving when it's first proposed that Rocky fight Apollo. Or maybe it's Thanksgiving when the fight happens. But it's about a month. I remember talking about this with Bev. That he trains. I guess that makes sense. But usually in real boxing matches... There's a big buildup, probably for hype, but also because these guys can't take too many fights in a given year. Championship boxer only fights a couple times a year. So anyway, Rocky yeah. could have actually had months in Russia, or months leading up to the point where he goes to Russia. He
1: had a fair amount of time in Russia. We know that, because he got that bitchin' beard mm-hmm. by the end of his training. And montage. somehow has
0: a tan, even though he's in Russia for weeks. So he's certainly not sun damning.
1: Well, maybe he's from all that running along the tops of mountains, you know, you're that much closer <laughs> to the sun, so even at a high northerly altitude, you'll get some burning happening, I guess.
0: Family Guy did a great parody of that, where Brian ends up on the top of a mountain going, Drago! Oh! And then he and Stewie say okay, we should actually start training now. Whatever they were doing. It wasn't a fight, but it was a parody of that whole bill.
1: Yeah, doing the supported by your legs, like the midair sit-ups in the barn kind of thing. That's
0: impressive. The whole thing where it's, what is it, he's on his neck and his legs are in the air and you hear over the music Duke saying, no pain, no pain. Oh, there's you, pain. you try no pain. Stallone was in incredible shape, as we said, but he actually was obviously a pretty good athlete. Those training scenes proved that Paulie has some use. Finally, you get the fat guy to be lifted and pulled. <laughs> I like the point where they're out in the snow The blinding snow And Rocky's got him on a sled he's trying to pull him So he's using all his muscles that way Or he's sitting in that wheelbarrow thing Where all three of them are in there actually And draggle. Yeah. So Paulie has some use finally
1: I did like the little touch They land And they're met by the representative. who says, mm-hmm. we have a long drive ahead of you And they drive them out to like the middle of God knows where And there's two guys sitting in a car
0: They're assigned to you
1: They're assigned to you Okay so it's the Soviets keeping an eye on the Americans So be it You kind of picture them being some sort of antagonistic force at this point, because they're just sort of this mysterious group. And then later on, you see one of those two guys playing chess with Duke. Yeah, they're staying in the
0: cabin with him, obviously. So now they're like buddy-buddy, hanging out together. Maybe they prepare the food, too. Oh, maybe. Because I'm sure Rocky isn't making his own food. I guess Duke could be doing it, or Polly. Polly should be doing something there for fuck's sakes, but it could be that they're actually assigned to do any of those kinds of things or go get other supplies. Yeah, what do you think Polly's
1: doing without having a ready supply of Budweiser and Baskin Robbins <laughs> ice cream?
0: We'll crack out here! <laughs> he complains about the Rose Bowl game. They won't get to see it, but the Rose Bowl game's on New Year's Day, I think it is, and they're there until Christmas Day. So he's stupid and wrong. Uh, you idiot! Hold on. Polly is stupid <laughs> and or wrong? What? I don't hate him in this movie. I hated him in Rocky Balboa though. He's just so pointless. He's racist in that movie too. I don't remember him being racist in the previous movies. He
1: gets not only progressively more annoying. If you watch The Simpsons, you watch Homer get dumber. It's almost like Paulie. He gets dumber, and he's a bit of a drunk and a low life and
0: mean. But in these other movies, he's not so much mean.
1: He's bigoted. He's stupid. He's ungrateful. And... I mean,
0: mean in the first movie. I'm saying. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah tough yeah. on his sister too. He's not nearly that bad to her as it goes on. He's never good to her, but he's not as bad as he was in the first movie. But in the first movie, as sad as it is to say, I could understand
1: that relationship. I could understand the older brother that wants good things for his sister, and he's trying to be hard on her because he doesn't know any better, and because he's a drunk, and because he's not very smart, quite frankly. That made sense to me. But as the movies progress, things like this, where the guy's just living in the lap of luxury because he's effectively won the lottery, but he maintains all of those bigoted views, and he's as whiny or more than he was before. Shut up!
0: Enough he's already. got a pretty good scene actually in the beginning of three where he is jealous of Rocky's success and he gets thrown in jail. Rocky bails him out and they have a whole confrontation. And at the end, it's, Can I have a job? You could have just asked.
1: Actually, that's not bad. That's true. Yeah. But again, it comes down to what makes sense from a human emotional perspective. As a mm-hmm. guy that has been so marginalized because of his own inadequacies and stupidity, but nonetheless, he's been marginalized, you can understand why he would feel that way and act Mm -hmm. out
0: i say he's annoying in balboa but he has a point in that movie more than a lot of them actually come to think of it because rocky has some emotional scenes with him and at the very end when rocky had talked earlier about having stuff in the basement and that plays off with paulie seeing at the end the demon's gone or something like that rocky says it to paulie so yeah he's actually more useful in that movie but he's still annoying but in these he's probably just in it because i guess stallone liked him it's almost like this loyalty thing of course talia shire has to be in them that makes perfect sense and carl weathers is an important part of the first four movies but probably not so much. Now, we're talking about them being in Russia, and I was reading that they shot the outdoor scenes, at least in Wyoming and B.C., British Columbia here in Canada. So the mountains especially, I think, were the B.C. shots. They couldn't go to Russia in the height of the Cold War.
1: Mr. Gorbachev has not torn down that wall. So it could be anywhere that's cold and mountainous at this point. All you do is throw up some, what is it, Cyrillic? It's Cyrillic right? signage or something outside of like a rural airport, and you're good to go. Russia is not portrayed at all, except for that rural airport with a bunch of nameless guards, and then you see the interior of an arena, and that's it, right?
0: Well, and rocky training outside. Actually, you know what I said? But that's That's,
1: not, th- that's just like wilderness. That's
0: not... And that could have been anyway. It's not meant theory, to be yeah.
1: Moscow or anything like that, is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, true, yeah. yeah that's right. We never see Moscow, per se. No. I said a minute ago that it would have been the BC mountains, but come to think of it, I think it was the Grand Tetons, which I think is Wyoming. When he's climbing and there's the drago screaming. That would be in Wyoming then, yeah. But they did shoot in BC. I was reading.
1: While we're on the topic of the drago thing, off the top, we talked about the music a little bit. Just associated with Rocky. I can't. Be gonna, gonna fly now. Gonna fly now. Thank you, God. Which
0: doesn't really play in this movie. The only one where it doesn't actually have a moment. No,
1: it doesn't have that training moment where you're gonna fly now. What would your favorite musical moment
0: in they this? They use movie... "Gonna Fly." Oh wait. In this movie. I'll what? answer that question, too, even though I'm, you're not asking it. Okay, the first question you're asking, it is Hearts on Fire. Because I it? love that song. It's great. The one that's two worlds collide, rival Rivalation. nation. That's a terrible song. What? The you No know, Easy Way Out When He's Driving Around. That's all right. but cheese ball. We might have to end this
1: podcast now, right? I hate to tell
0: you. That. <laughs> I like it, though, because I like all the music in this movie, but it is terrible. But I legitimately like Hearts on Fire. Burning Hearts? You don't like Burning the Hearts? Burning Hearts... Just about to burst. But Hearts on Fire is a good tune regardless. I'm surprised Ah. Beyonce didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I think it's awesome. Listen, I like Hearts on Fire, and I would have
1: accepted you saying that's your favorite song, but the fact that you slammed Burning Hearts in the process (laughs) is
0: unforgivable. Well, maybe it's the the on-the-nose lyrics, which are probably just as good as Busta Makes Me Feel Good. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. My favorite of all the Gonna Fly Now montages in all the movies Man, the first one's the most famous. I love the one in 2 where he runs with the kids. Yeah, yeah. But I think my favorite might be the one in Boa because it plays off of Duke doing the, let's build some hurting bombs. And you hadn't heard that music in 4, and it doesn't really play in 5. It is a little bit, but not the same kind of long sequence. And then there's this illogical thing with this old man training with all these people. It's so dumb. It was never done before in the first three movies when it plays, where he's training by himself, then he's running with the kids, then he's running with Apollo on the beach and all the interspersed fighting as well, of course. <laughs> Four and five didn't really use it, but in Balboa, it's so dumb and bad that it's so awesome. So, that yeah. might be my favorite of all the Gonna Fly Nows.
1: My gut instinct was immediately the Rocky Three Carl Weathers training montage running on the beach and pork
0: swords flying around in yeah, their shorts. Yeah,
1: the shortest shorts known to man. It's almost like Top Gun level homoeroticism from it the Volleyball was match. That almost. Yeah, embracing in the surf kind of thing. I really enjoyed that scene but now that you mention it let's build some hurting bombs kind of line I had forgotten about that with Balboa that's a great montage as well and that's up there I still probably would take Rocky 3 though
0: I think I just liked Balboa because it had been so long since they had even made a Rocky movie and it was back it was this whole sequence that we hadn't seen for about 20 years
1: I still think it's a good movie though I, mean, I the, do too it's
0: actually a really good if movie if you're yeah. talking
1: about the movie as a whole rather mm-hmm. than just that montage I really enjoyed it then I still enjoy it now mm-hmm. and I think it's good because it acknowledges that At that point, I guess Stallone was about 60. Let's take a look. More or less. I mean, I don't think
0: we had... He's about 70 now, right? I think I read that in Creed, he was older than Mickey was in any of the Rocky movies. That is true. Even though Mickey looks like he's 903 years old.
1: That's just a Burgess Meredith
0: kind of of look, though. Stallone is currently 72. He was born in 1946.
1: Yeah, so he was in his early 60s when Rocky Balboa came out. He was
0: about 60 when he came out, yeah. yeah.
1: They acknowledge that he's old and slow relative to the younger fighters, and the only reason he can survive in the ring the way he does in that movie is because he has that remarkable... For some reason, we say this a lot in our podcast, but he's got that brick hit house Mm -hmm. geneticism where he He can
0: take a beating more so than... The world's hardest head.
1: Yeah. Until he gets brain damage. But he can
0: take a beating. He's also a great example of somebody who just wants it so badly. Not to say that Apollo didn't, or Drago, or Clubber Lang, or any of them, but in the history of boxing movies, he wants it more than anybody.
1: Yeah. And he says that to his son. In this movie, when he's going away to Russia, he tells his kid... It's those moments when you think you can't go on and you have to give up. And I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact line.
0: You're catching the spirit, though.
1: You find the will to push through. Like, mm-hmm. that's the way you succeed in life. And
0: He has an even better speech in Rocky Balboa when his son is grown. His son's complaining about, I'm in your um, shadow and that kind of stuff. What
1: the hell is that actor's name? The guy from Heroes? Milo
0: Ventimiglia? yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the climactic match. There's no strategy anymore for the overmatched Rocky. He just takes punches and hopes to survive, I guess. Because he switches to Southpaw in the second movie, Rocky 2. In Rocky 3, he learns to fight like Apollo does against Clubber Lang. But in this one, it's just, I guess I'll just take all his punches. He's going to have to kill me. That's pretty much what he does against Clubber, too, right? He says. No, but he learns to fight differently because he learns to fight yeah, like Apollo. Yeah, but he actually like
1: he throws his chin out there and says, Hit me again! Ain't so bad! Ain't so bad! Just let some beat on him. My mother and... is
0: holding that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Clubber tires himself out. It's a rope-a-dope that Muhammad Ali did. Kind of,
1: yeah. In this one, it's more or less survive for a while, and then you get the great line between, was it the second and the third round, when they're at the corners, and Drago turns to his trainer and says, he is not human. He's like a piece of steel. He's or like something. a piece
0: of iron. <laughs> yeah. In it's... Russian, but yeah. I've always said iron because it just makes me laugh. My favorite moment in the whole movie, though, is definitely when Rocky in the second round punches him. And it's a bit of a slowed down shot. There's freeze frames in this, a lot of freeze frames. A little bit of slow motion. But as soon as the punch hits, you hear Duke say, He's cut! <laughs> he can't oh, possibly be cut instantly when the, he gets the hit in the tiny face. tiny little bit of blood above the but It's like, the a bad lab, right? cut. <gasps> you see? He's not a machine. He's a man. <laughs>
1: I always, in my mind, picture the beginning of this fight being a little bit of a parallel to the beginning of the fight against Apollo, where Apollo hits the gloves of Drago and they don't budge. Am I right in thinking that Rocky does the same thing? No. No, No. It's it's not there, right? I
0: don't think they even touch gloves, but they definitely don't have that moment where it's, get your hands up, chump, and then bang, and they're immobile, which as strong as Drago is. That's not possible. Apollo's a very strong man, too. He's a very strong man. It's a great moment, but it's not logical at all.
1: And this is another great instance of the camera work really emphasizing the difference in the size of the two Mm -hmm. guys. The announcer reads out the weights of the two fighters, and it's really evident that Drago's got like 80 pounds on Balboa and, of course, a whole lot of height. But the way they film it, it looks like Lundgren is probably like two feet taller Mm -hmm. than Sly is
0: in this movie. We've had movies where there's no way he or she should win or survive or whatever else. We talked about it on Hoosiers. We talked about it on Dodgeball. And all the Rocky (laughs) movies, that's probably true. But really in this one, because he simply shouldn't be able to hit Drago because he can't get inside to literally touch him. He should not have won the fight anyway. Although I love this movie, but that is very true. But he shouldn't have literally been able to hit him at all, really, if you think about it. Maybe the body, but how would he ever reach that head?
1: You'd have to pretty much, if you remember the Street Fighter series, Ken and Ryu, and they're like jumping, how do can. You'd have to do that to just get Get head. him a ladder. Yeah, get him a ladder. <laughs> Chop this guy down. But Drago doesn't really ever hold his hands up in a guard. He's walking around with the big right hand cocked. He's kind of exposed himself to a lot of punches, and I think that's what Rocky ultimately takes advantage of.
0: There's no strategy. It's just a street fight. It's a question of who wants it most.
1: It is a great scene, and it's very evocative of Rocky Three when Clubber Lang throws Rocky back into the corner Mm -hmm. at one point, and I think that's reversed in the second fight when Rocky actually throws Clubber back in the corner. And that happens here, too, when Dragos just starts throwing the ref away at the end. Should be disqualified.
0: Should be disqualified.
1: They're Soviet refs, though. It's not a sanctioned fight. Come on.
0: Yeah. And through all that, the crowd starts chanting, "Rocky, Rocky, And
1: This is the one thing that I kind of wish they hadn't put in there. And I understand why they did, because this is a piece of 1980s propaganda corn. <laughs> and corn kind of thing. Like your famous speech, If I can change, and yous can change. He didn't
0: say yous, but I've always said yous. <laughs> he kind of does. Everybody, Everybody can, can change. Everyone can change. Everyone around the world can change. I guess that's better than 20 million. Which I read somewhere that the subtitles for that is, in I guess in Russian, would be, I guess that's better than $20 million.
1: But he doesn't mean that. He
0: means 20 million people.
1: If two guys in the ring were killing each other, that's better than $20 million (laughs) is the
0: way that reads. It's a nice sentiment, but it's an illogical (laughs) speech. Mostly because this man is now officially brain damaged. Although he somehow gets cured by the time we get to Rocky Balboa. And he can fight, which is illogical. Because that wouldn't be solved by even 20 years of not being hit in the head. He's very wise by the end of it.
1: I can get behind every piece of corn in this movie. I can accept Rocky being the superhuman piece of steel that he is and beating Drago, but I really wish they hadn't gone to the point of the crowd chanting his name and then the Politburo guys standing up and clapping. Come on, man. There's a no-
0: friend of mine did that when we were at a cottage one time. We were talking about this movie. I'd seen it probably two or three times at that point. And when he did the slow clap, he's one of those people that's a deadpanner. Whenever I see that scene, I laugh because I remember him doing that. That's slowly standing up on the. Yeah. It's silly. <laughs> it is, but it amuses me because of that. Yeah. Because of my friend Paul.
1: There's no way in holy hell that ever happens. But it has to happen for him to give that silly speech about the world changing. Because he's
0: ending communism. And let's all... in the Cold War. Yeah,
1: he's ending the Cold War because he's rocky. You said your favorite line was. Oh, shit, I'm blanking now. What was your favorite line?
0: A lot of favorite lines. What, the, the he's cut, you mean? Yeah, the he's cut thing, yeah. So my favorite line... Just the timing on it, as soon as he gets hit, It's hey, he's cut! <laughs> because Duke is just glued. <gasps> that happened! He's the blood cut. has not had a chance to come out of his head yet, and somehow he's cut already.
1: <laughs> he can hear the skin splitting as his fist <laughs> made contact, that's how. When the crowd starts turning on Drago, and he turns around, and it's what I was aping off the top yeah. here, when... I fight to win for me, for me! Pretty much like flipping the bird. That ain't communism. Again, it plays very much into the whole undertone of the movie being individualism and capitalism versus the socialism of communism and that kind of thing. But it is kind of a good moment for me to think that this guy is not just a Soviet robot, but he's doing something because, A, he loves it, and B, because he likes the individual glory. He actually has a soul and a personality and I imagine we see a lot more of that in Creed too, because up until that point, he's just a Soviet robot. He's doing what they tell him to Who do. He barely speaks. He barely speaks. Too. So this is the one moment of quasi-humanity that I kind of liked. and maybe I love
0: where he says to Rocky, when they come up for the, this is the last round, and they touch gloves, to the end, you with would- respect. He's not mad at Rocky. It's more like, still want to beat you, but I don't hate you anymore. No, he's showing respect to this world champion.
1: He doesn't have a lot of lines, but they're great. Who does? I must break you. I must break you, Rocky.
0: And then you will lose. Yeah, that's to Apollo.
1: To Apollo at the press conference when he's trying to act up. No, that's
0: in the ring after the bang of the gloves. You will lose.
1: Is that the bang of the gloves? Yeah. Get your conference? hands up,
0: chump! Bang! You will lose. Oh yeah, yeah. Sly once said that Drago's boxing career fizzled out and he was fucked. So he's in Creed two, So that could have been true. But that's what Sly's impression of what would have happened to the fictional character he created.
1: My understanding of Creed Two is exactly that. He was washed up, never boxed again, was essentially an exile from the Soviet Union at that point because of the loss.
0: But only because of his son can he actually get back in the spotlight? Yeah,
1: so that was his means of a little bit of redemption 30-odd years later is to use his son to get back into
0: the spotlight. Okay, well, that may be true. But my point was going to be that if Drago was a real person, just for the sake of argument, and could manage to defect to America... Promoters would make a mint off this guy oh. because he took the champion to the limit and as you would find out as the months and years go on, the champion retired and was brain damaged. Maybe that wasn't public knowledge. This guy would be promoted by somebody. Boxers would definitely take advantage of that. Maybe wrestling would get him and use him that way. There's no way this guy would actually be washed up and fucked like Stalin oh, no. said he was. Unless Don- he couldn't get out of Russia. Maybe then.
1: He was such a visible personality within the Soviet Union that maybe you wouldn't be able to defect. But you're right. Don King would have had this guy under contract so fast in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And they have a Don King-alike in Mm -hmm. Rocky V. So where are we now? Rocky wins, he brings down communism, America's great, rah, rah, rah. Literally wrapped in a flag. And and away (laughs) we go. This movie is clearly the whole communism versus the American way of life. Right. That's the whole underpinning of the movie, which makes sense for 1985. Watching it now, I struggled with the first fight between Apollo and Drago, I was thinking about that undertone of it that I never really thought about when I watched it as a kid. But now you're thinking about it and Apollo comes in with all the pomp and circumstance, all the ostentatious extravagance of America.
0: And Vegas of all places, in which Vegas. is so opposite of communism and Russia.
1: Drago's standing in the ring, essentially by himself in a robe, the whole time, just watching it happen. And then he beats the ever-loving of Creed and kills him. And what's the message there? That America has become weak... And decadent, and believing too much in their own superiority, because it's been messaged throughout the first twenty or thirty minutes of the movie that Drago is the superior human being, and Creed just won't buy into it. Hell, I'm American. I'm a champion. So I must be better than this guy. I don't care if I've been retired for five years. I am who I am. I'm American.
0: Drago's also blood doping. We see him get stuck with a needle, which implies he's doing steroids. Of course, because he's the evil
1: nemesis. He's the mm-hmm. Soviets. They'll do anything unscrupulous to win. And to he's screen.
0: training in a gym versus Rocky training in the wilderness. And the Rocky yeah. thing is more honorable, yeah. I guess. I don't yeah. know.
1: But as we said, I'm pretty sure every actor in this movie was on God knows how many steroids for this movie, right? Probably yeah. Carl Weathers. And, and as Republic. you said,
0: actors now do it for sure. Look oh. at Hugh Jackman. He must have done that. For every time he's ever played Wolverine, he says not. I've watched. And he's about my age, I think maybe even older than me. So for him to have done Logan only last year, now he doesn't look as good in that as he's looking in the other ones and is ripped, but still.
1: Oh, but look at Days of Future Past. He was in his mid-40s at that point. Mm-hmm. He's bigger than he ever got. But apparently that guy eats six meals a day, probably takes all of the
0: legal supplements. He's he lived take. like that since 1999 or so when they did the first one. Was it 2000 when X-Men came out? Yeah, but look at but X-Men. It was shot in 99.
1: Look at him in X-Men and look at him in Days of Future True. Past. The guy's probably 20 or 30 pounds But heavier. even then he would have
0: had to do stuff to keep uh, himself in great shape. So he's had to live like this for a long time. The movie was nominated for nine Razzies, incidentally, and it won five, including Best Actor, or Worst, I should say, Actor for Stallone, Worst Director for Stallone, and Vince DiCola's music, which we've said a few times in this podcast, is irrational and stupid because the music is dumb but so great. Okay, Vince DiCola... Is he the guy that wrote the synth training
1: montage in Russia for Rocky? He wrote all the music, That's a great song. I know. I listen to that at the gym now. I've been listening to it 15 years. It isn't as effective
0: as what Bill Conti did in the original Rocky movie, and then he was the composer of all of them except, I think, this one only. He wasn't available. He was working on, I think, Karate Kid too. That's why he didn't do the music for this. But okay. he did the music in the other ones. And he's the one that wrote "Gonna Fly Now" and all the other stuff you know from the previous movies and the next movies. I don't know if he's doing the music now. I don't think so because they don't really use his I don't score think it's Bill per Conte se anymore. No. But it was until Rocky Balboa. Let's put it that way. Except for this one time, and this music stands out being so different than the other movies because it's '80s cheese. But that's what's good about it. <laughs>
1: it is great, and you're right. Bill Conti's stuff is objectively good, and it's stood the test of time, and it's. Probably one of the great movie songs of the 20th century, but that doesn't make this bad. Honestly, from start to finish, I struggle to think of another movie of this era where I enjoy the soundtrack all the way through. You talked about Karate Kid too. The Karate Kid movies, and we talked about the first one, has some great songs, but not throughout. What
0: movies of this era I'm trying had... to think of one. I can't think of one. That's... Fast Times Original Ridgemont High is good music. There was a few years before this. By the way, speaking of Karate Kid, I think it's Karate Kid too. yeah, that has the Glory of Love song, which we play in Rock Band a lot. And I think that was supposed to be in this movie instead of Hearts on Fire. Things like the, I am a man who will fight for your honor, which actually applies to Karate Kid too. but it's, also, it's supposed to be Rocky doing it for Adrian and for especially Apollo.
1: That would also be very much on the nose if they plugged well, that in. That would
0: fit in with this movie then, wouldn't it? <laughs> Rocky, of course, is more in love with Apollo than his wife in this movie. And I already said it before, I think you agree, you can definitely score in a movie like this, especially if you like The Fellas. Yeah. It's a very sexual movie without actually being literally sexual.
1: There's a lot of sweaty, greasy men in this movie. This
0: entire series, including I think the two Creed movies, they're not ever R-rated, so they don't swear and they don't do the kind of things that regular people do. There's no way that this Rocky character, if he was real, wouldn't be somebody who would say fuck every fourth word and be a lot worse than he is and be more brutal than he is. He's a sweetheart of a guy in the original movies when he's a lone shark, but he's... A little bit too nice, maybe, but that's one of the that's not really ever been accurate about the Rocky series. The crooked promoter thing happens in the fifth one, but not until then. There's no drugs until the fourth one, and that's just one little shot of him getting a needle in his arm. It's more clean than boxing ever was, or probably still is.
1: Boxing these days is almost more spectacle than wrestling is, right? And yeah. That's when you get the fights like Connor McGregor versus... MMA is,
0: yeah. People yeah. have been saying for a while that MMA is doing pro wrestling better than the WWE does pro wrestling.
1: Well, not just that though, but Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. I'm pretty sure even though McGregor lost, he still made $100 million off that and who the hell knows how much
0: Mayweather ended up raking in. Not for money. Not about money. <laughs> yeah. No, it is about money, Rocky. It always is. All right, this has been a long podcast. We probably should wrap this jingoistic clap trap movie. <laughs> Which I love immensely. I've seen probably 15 times, and I'm probably going to see it again. I'm glad we changed course, and we'll do the longest yard, maybe close to the Super Bowl. You were saying that before we started recording. That seems like a good time to do that. Yeah, makes more sense. What are we going to do next week? We said cool runnings. Not next week, but two weeks from now. Let's do that. All right, so Cool Runnings, the Olympic bobsled movie, which I've seen relatively recently, maybe a year or two ago. Really? It was on Netflix, and I think I watched it at work one night. It was something I can ignore. That's a line I stole from High Fidelity. John Cusack says that he wants music he can ignore. I'm like that with movies sometimes. Something I can have on and be in the background, but don't really care about it. I haven't seen it probably in 25 years at this point, but it is...
1: As I recall, anyway, exactly that kind of movie. It's one of those feel-good, not-a-plot-heavy movie. Based on he's... a true
0: story, too. It was the 88 yeah. Olympics. Well, in Calgary, we'll... in Canada. Yeah. So. We'll talk about that, obviously, for that podcast. So that's two weeks. Well, we're in 2019, January. How Oof. was the beer? Oh, it packed a bit of a punch, Ryan, i got to tell you. It really should have. Capow, indeed. Oh, drink good. beer no more. He does drink beer, actually. Rocky does in the first movie but probably never does the way he looks in any of the other movies. There
1: is zero chance the fact that I'm drinking a beer and I have the little chocolate bar in front of me that I'll shortly be eating just leads me further down the path of despair that I will never again look like Carl Weathers (laughs) in Rocky IV. Screw it.
0: Eat that candy right now. (laughs) Eat it. While he eats, I'll do the end of the thing. So I am at MovieFiend51 on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, I have very exciting news for you, Ryan. This is breaking news. Has he finally got a Twitter account?
1: Yes. We have a Twitter account. Okay, what is it? It is at Scoring at the Movies. That makes sense. It makes a lot of <laughs> <laughs> It's well known at this point, based on the outros to every one of our podcasts, that I'm not a social media guy, that I don't have the cojones to get out there on my own and post any of my own original thoughts. But just as the case was when we were recently at an escape room together, when you're there to hide behind, I do have the balls to follow through <laughs> on this, so... I created the Twitter account. By the time this goes up, I'm sure it'll be active and I'll be posting all kinds of random sports related thoughts behind the veiled curtain of the podcast duo that we represent. And hopefully I don't get in too much trouble. There's also an email address, which is scoring at the movies at gmail.com. So we've got some branded contact points now going on.
0: And, and you got scoring at the movies on Twitter without a number. It's yes, pretty good. Scoring at the movies. Because when I went from my Twitter I went with Movie Fiend fifty one. Fifty one is because that's where my studio was at work for a long time. Not anymore, but it used to be. And it's because I couldn't just be movie fiend. And I think I tried one and two and they weren't there, so I said fifty one and that's why I picked that. <laughs> so movie
1: fiends one through fifty weren't necessarily <laughs> taken. Well, I went
0: from two to fifty one because it was significant to me. If anyone ever wondered, 100%. that's why I'm fifty one. It wasn't a random number. Well, there you go. You can tweet us at squaring at the movie, so that's good. Take her easy dudes. I know that you will.